Not having a lot of money makes me holier, right? This week on The Catholic Money Show, we are tackling yet again another money lie Mm. that we see um, in a lot of our clients. And we are going to be exposing the lie and the different things that maybe help prop it up and replace those with the truth that you can stand firmly in and that you can make sure you are, your mind is trusting in so that you're standing on a firm foundation. Mm -hmm. Which is so important in so many parts of our life, but especially money because it touches everything, pretty much everything else. Mm -hmm. And this one is going to be a fun one. And I would say it might be a little more common uh, that we see than maybe some of the ones we've already covered. Um, So this one might be hitting a little more close to home. And this week, what we're going to be tackling is the fact that... Or the idea that... Yeah, not the fact. What? The not fact. (laughs) (laughs) The idea that money is evil. Mm, Money is evil. Money um, is the root of all evil, right? No. That's what people quote a lot. They'll, They'll sling around in the Facebook groups and whatnot, but... Um, that scripture verse actually says the love of money is the root of all evil, which is a completely different thing because that's the love of an object um, getting in the getting in the way and causing the actions, not the object itself. Mm-hmm. And just a lot of things incorrectly flow from this belief that money is evil. Mm-hmm. And I will say this before we dive in, uh, and I know we might talk about this a little bit, but I see this oftentimes from, um, you know, we, we primarily serve Catholic families and individuals. And we'll hear this idea tossed around a lot um, of like, money's bad, so I don't want any anyway, right? Good for me because... Yeah, good I, don't, it's good I don't have much. Good I don't have any because, um, you know, it, I'm better off. Mm-hmm. But really, when you dig under the hood, it's be- they don't have a lot because they've been mishandling their money. And they're uh, resentful about that and maybe a little jealous and wish they had more, but have resigned themselves to thinking this life of scraping by that may or may not be God's will for them, probably not, because they're sitting around mishandling things, um, that this is now holier and this is what they cling to to make it feel better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I I know this. <laughs> I was definitely in <laughs> that camp for that a one? while. Uh, uh-huh. earlier in my life. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have much. And what I had, I was not a good steward of. Mm. And so it was very easy for me to think, oh, well, I mean, yeah, this is tough, but better than going to hell because I'm, I'm rich, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which is not the case. Right. And it all comes out of this. It's this, this it's, it's kind of like, not that I was as my first action believing this lie but buying into it made everything else easier it mm-hmm. was like my excuse yeah right for, well it doesn't really matter that I, that i don't have a handle on it. it doesn't really matter that it's way tighter than it needs to be because i mean money money's just gonna wreck me anyway it's evil anyway so I better so. better it's better not to have it mm-hmm. which is yeah. not true Oof, right we have this, this it idea. sounds like it's good right mm-hmm. to sit around 
with other people in your same socioeconomic situation and to bash people that have more than you. Yeah. We see this all <laughs> the time. <laughs> yes. And I'll say, I'll say in some of this, right, it, it, it resonates with us. One, because it gives us an out for some of our not as stellar choices, but also because there's, it's mixed in, right? Like most believable lies, it's mixed in with some truth. Sure. Money can be dangerous. Sure. There are we'll many that. legitimate warnings about wealth in scripture, in church teaching, in the lives of the saints, in common sense. Mm-hmm. And so you see yeah. that and you go, oh, well, then that must probably because it's bad. But right? just because something has to be handled a certain way doesn't mean that it is inherently evil, dangerous, or bad. It no. just means that it should have boundaries. You got to be careful. Like with that. literally everything in our life. <laughs> isn't, isn't everything better when there's boundaries? Yes. <laughs> and things are used in their appropriate manner. Mm-hmm. All right. So I know we're going to dive into that a little more later, but money is evil. Yes. And I, I think one of the main ways this shows its head is the idea that money corrupts. Mm. Right. If there's any sort of a, a, a charity going on, right? If you, um, if you hear about something, they work at a church, and if they're driving a, a nice car, you might be getting a little suspicious. Because, well, how, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. Oh, they got money? Ooh, maybe that's, maybe that's wrecking them up. Or, oh. money corrupts them. Those people over there, they've got a ton of money, and they own a business. Oh, boy. I bet it was shady. Mm. I bet they're mobsters. Yeah. I bet they've got ties in with... You know, this, that, or another black market thing. Mm-hmm. Or they're, ri- they're, ripping, they're <laughs> ripping people off because they're make, actually making money when they sell me an apple or whatever <laughs> it is. So there's so the, this it, there, idea of money tempting. corrupts. Yeah. Tem-tempting? Hmm. It's tem-tempting. That's not a word. Uh, money corrupts. The idea that money inherently leads you into sin. And it's just not true. We've covered this often in the podcast, in our book. Money is a neutral tool. We talk about it being like a mirror or a reflection of what's inside of you. So whatever you are cultivating and growing and giving attention to and time and resources to inside your own interior life, that is going to be reflected in your money. Interesting. And so if you are feeding vice in your life, well, more money heaped on top of vice that is growing is going to corrupt you Hmm. uh, because it's going to open doors to greater sin for you because money makes things easier, Mm -hmm. right? When you have more money, it just, it opens up opportunities that maybe you didn't have when you didn't have the money. Now, if you're- Good opportunities. Yeah. And bad opportunities. Exactly. But if you're creating that life of virtue- and you um, are someone who has goodwill and you're pursuing the, you know, what God is asking you to the best of your ability and you're in a state of grace, well, and you're handling money according to that, it's not going to corrupt you. It's something that you're handling with his help. And so this is something now, a neutral tool that's going to continue to reflect what it is that you're growing in your own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Money in and of itself is not something that leads to corrupting someone. It's is a, is a person in a state of grace moving towards virtue or have they slunk down towards the baser things? Maybe they're in a state of desolation. 
moving towards vices, that is really what we need to pay more attention to than any exterior factors. Yes, money is not what corrupts us. It's our just... Our own selves? <laughs> yeah, our broken human nature, <laughs> our situation of sin. Yeah, just just the human condition. City of God, city of man. Is, is what's already there mm-hmm. working on us. Yes. Okay, that, so... I mean, I can buy that. But then there's this, this idea of, like, okay, I can see that. But money, if we think about it, money is a worldly thing. Sure. And we're we're not to be of the world. We're not to be into all these worldly things. So why not reject money? Hmm. You tell me, John. <laughs> I think you wrote this point down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say, I mean, there's a lot of things that are of this world. All, I mean, all, I mean, look around the room, pretty much all of that, right? So our food, that's a worldly thing. A building. A building, your house. So do you shun all those? A computer? Of course not. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a, sure, it's a worldly thing, but we're called to be in the world, mm-hmm. not of, right? That's not where our home, this isn't our home. We are not called to be, um, what are they called? Quakers. Wait. Amish. 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 Sorry, sorry. Amish. Yep. We, can we are not buttons. called to just go off in a huddle. Catholics are actually called to engage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we need to, we, we can use the things of the world. Mm-hmm. But we can't fall in love with the things of the world. This idea of you need to love the creator, not the creation. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it, again, a lot of that idea is, well, that would be true if all material things were bad, which is a heresy. Right. So it's a worldly thing, I guess, but it's something that is necessary. N- necessary i cannot apparently (laughs) the words do not want to come out of my mouth today (laughs) it's something that we can't reject if you are called especially if you're called to be part of the laity Mm -hmm. and you're going to be handling money and raising a family uh you and having a job this is something you can't ignore you can't it just it's not some exterior thing to your life. You need to have this as a disciple. We need to fully integrate things into our identity as the good steward. Mm. So accepting it as part of your lived vocation is how I think you should view it instead of just this, oh, it's this worldly thing that I tolerate. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. Yep. So, yeah. All right. Let's let's go on um, and talk about... This is a this is a big one. Okay. Let's talk about the rich young man. So Ooh. in scripture, a lot of times I'll hear Bobby. people talk about the rich young man. You know, he was asking Jesus how to follow him more perfectly. He already Can followed. Have eternal life. How, how could I have eternal? Uh, he's already following the commandments. You know, Jesus told him about those. He said he's already doing that. Jesus says, "You're right, but there's one thing: go sell all that you have and come follow me." And uh, some have said, some Bible commentators have said that this is um, was probably him inviting the young man to become an apostle. Yes, because there's, there's, I don't think there's anywhere else where mm-hmm. he says, come follow me. Right. All these other guys, people he talks to, he's, you know, go and sin no more. Right. Things like that. This is the only other come follow me. So it's a pretty big deal. A uh, huge deal. <laughs> Seat at the table? Are you <laughs> at the table? Um 
and then he went away sad because he had many possessions. Mm. And we don't really get any more insight than that. Um, I think one of the most beautiful portrayals that I've had of this visually was on The Chosen when Nicodemus mm. went to follow Jesus but didn't. And not that... I know that that wasn't... That's, he's not the rich young man. No. But a similar so idea. I like what you're saying. It, like he was tormented wanting to go around the corner and follow Jesus Oof. with his apostles. Oof. And just that feeling um, because Nicodemus had much to lose. He had a lot of... Yeah. I mean, sure, he had some money, but he had his status. He had his relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had all these other things that he was holding on to tighter, mm-hmm. at least at that moment, than he was Jesus. Yeah. And we don't know... And- if if that is how Nicodemus' story played out, it's just a really beautiful visual um, that The Chosen gave us in season one. But what I want to say about the rich young man is that not every one of us is called to sell all that we have and to follow Jesus in that way. We're all called to be disciples, but we are not all called to sell everything that we have and, you know, live as somebody in a religious community, Mm. take a vow of poverty. That is a unique vocation uh, and a unique call. And most of us are going to be called to maybe renounce all of our things from the heart, but then still continue to manage them in our daily existence, right? Yes. The Lord's entrusting us to keep stewarding them and to have them, but we have renounced them all over to him. He is the king of all. And we are now just kind of managing that with him. That these don't have holds on our heart. He does. Yeah, he's not asking us to give up everything. But he does ask us to give up everything that stands in the way of us being with him. And now some people are called to give everything up. Yeah. And that leads us to that kind of this next conversation. Before we hopped on that, I'll say, right, there's that call uniquely to each of us to come follow him. Mm-hmm. And we need to go sell whatever you want to put in there, get rid of everything that stands in the way of us accepting that call, mm-hmm. which will be different things for different people. Yep. It might be, yeah, you you need to give up, I don't know, buying certain things or having a certain you know top of the line phone or whatever it is because you value it too much. Sure. Well, somebody else, they could have that thing but they don't attach it's the, it's deal. not overvalued to them in their heart. Mm-hmm. So again, this is going to look different, which is why we can't just go around, oh, we can't be judging what's going on on the inside of folks based on what's going on on the outside. Sure. Tempting. Very yeah. tempting sometimes. Mm-hmm. But so let's, yeah, let's get into this. So some people, they're all called to, to give up more than others. Yeah. And we see this particularly in religious life. Yes. Where there is a vow of poverty. Yeah, meaning they renounce their possessions. Material, all material goods. Yes, it's not and they rely on divine providence and begging and the help and assistance of the faithful uh, members of the church to provide mm-hmm. for their means. Mm-hmm. And even, I mean, even the things that they use are not their own. Mm-hmm. It belongs they belong to the, to the community. community. Yeah, or they'll raise their own food or, mm-hmm. or things like, like of that nature. So um, that is a unique call. And I think that it can be tempting sometimes for the laity to think that that's what they're called to too because it's a more perfect way and that is not true uh it is religious take that vow to be in more 
closer unity and imitation of our Lord who chose to come as a humble baby, be born in a stable and have a life of simple poverty. That is true. And religious want to mirror their life off of the earthly life of Jesus, not because poverty in and of itself is something that's cool. It's not. But for those of us who are called to the laity, um, more often than not, we're not going to be called to that at all. We're going to be called to provide for our families and to manage a good amount of resources in the course of our lifetime. And we need to be careful not to glorify a state of life or a vocation that is not our calling. Mm. We need to be um, focused on the present moment and whatever God is asking of us. And if it isn't called, if you're not called to take a vow of poverty, stop drooling over it, thinking that that's where God's grace is for you. His grace is for you to be firmly planted in the vocation that is yours. That is the reality here. Um, and hey, I get it. I I have deep attractions to religious life. Jesus, I kept ringing him up on the line. He kept putting the phone down and eventually connected me on call waiting with John. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I was called marriage, but um, sometimes there, there can be a temptation. The devil will tempt us to always kind of look to this, that, or the other. Anything that is not our real present moment in circumstances is where he is going to tempt us to live or to want to be. And that is something that we always need to be on guard against. All right. So, <clears throat> John, let's start closing this out. Let's do it. Uh, kind of on the back tail that's not even a word, but I can't talk That's today, so we're just going to go with it. <laughs> tail end. <laughs> My brain is... Back tail. I I, it's like a that. whole new level of jumbledness in there today. Um, we talked about the rich young man. Let's talk about another time when Jesus talks about riches. He talks about it's easier for the rich man to enter heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Mm-hmm. And I've heard Dave Ramsey say something like, well, the next line is for all for for man things aren't possible, but for God all things are possible. Meaning, you know, it's true, but you know, God can still save the rich guy. Which is true. Yes. But it's a hollow way of looking at this verse and it's cherry picking it. Mm-hmm. Also, you might run into some people saying, Oh, well, he's talking about this particular gate in Jerusalem where the camel's gonna have to like take off their bags and stuff and, and crouch down lowly. That's also not true. Um because they kind of freak out afterwards. Like if that was it, like, oh, okay, I get it. But um, no, he's talking about an actual camel and an actual eye of an actual needle, so which is just, impossible. Let's address it. So if money isn't evil, but can money make it harder for you to get to heaven? Yes. How can it be doesn't both? doesn't make it impossible. Right. But how can but it, it be both? It makes it harder. Well, there's, there's, like we're saying, it makes things easier. Mm-hmm. And as good as my intentions are, and as much virtue as I've as I, God has given me by His grace, and that I've done my side to work on on growing within me, I still sin. Sure. And so if it's you have concupiscence, easier for me to sin. Mm-hmm. It's probably easier for me to sin in larger ways and fall down a darker path. Sure. And so and like oh I I can just get whatever I want whenever I want it because I have all this money. Probably is easier for me to go down a path of consumerism and valuing my possessions more than I need to and all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's going to make it harder, definitely. It'll, it'll sure. allow me to 
extricate myself from suffering most a lot of the time and not allow my heart to grow close to Jesus in that way. Mm -hmm. So is it safe to say that money is not evil, but it comes with warnings? It definitely has warnings, legitimate warnings. Mm -hmm. When we see, you can just kind of, I mean, I think most people can just understand that just common sense, but scripture and and church teaching is is chock full of that. I mean, you know, when they say like, you know, if if they're an economic system that puts, you know, profits and, and money only first, the expense of people isn't isn't just isn't right Mm -hmm. so we know we know this and we know i mean it's it's a warning like so many other things in our life it's a laser pointer it's a plastic bag it comes with a warning on it that says essentially this is dangerous if you use it incorrectly but if you don't use it incorrectly if you use it correctly can a plastic bag it's super helpful no it's really helpful exactly It's way helpful. It makes it a lot easier to do good things that I need to do with it, right? Bring the groceries in or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if I use it wrong, if I pretend that it's a, a face mask, it's, yeah, it's going to make it really hard for me to continue right. living. So we can agree that money is not evil. Money itself doesn't corrupt. Money is neutral. But let's just have some common sense here. Let's not go crazy and be like, Money is the best thing ever. Woohoo! Throw all caution to the wind. Everything all about money. That's another extreme that we can address in another podcast episode. Absolutely. It's, it's our oldest is seven right now. Mm-hmm. So we're beginning to teach her knife skills in the kitchen. Yes. I'm not just going to hand her the knife because then I'm going to have to hand her her finger off the floor. <laughs> but I'm also not going to say, don't ever use a knife because mm-hmm. that'll really make things hard later in her life. Yeah. So we need to teach the knife skills. We need to de- learn and develop money skills so that we can handle this thing the right way. It's a really powerful tool and allows us to do a lot of cool things if we understand how to use it correctly. So how can you be in the right relationship with money and have the skills and tools that you need to handle it as a steward? Wow. Okay. I'm going to say you need to be praying, you need to be reading scripture, and then you need to be developing those money skills. Mm-hmm. So keep listening to this podcast. That's a good start. And we've got a lot of other ways to help you out. So head on over to WalletWin.com. We've got a couple free tools right there on the website to help you develop those money skills. You don't chop off your fingers. And if you really want to enroll in, you know, in like money school, head on over to WalletWin.com slash academy. And that's where you can learn all about the Waltwin Academy, which includes the Catholic Money Course mm-hmm. and a boatload of other resources to help you become a good steward. You can get a free 14-day trial at waltwin.com slash startmytrial. Click the link in the show notes. Until next time, bye, bye for, for now. now. Thanks for joining us today. You can learn more about this show and the Walletwin program at walletwin.com. Music in this episode is from Dylan Gardner. Listen to his new album, Almost Real, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your music. See you next week.